Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. Welcome to episode 135 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the first episode of March 2015. In this episode, we'll be speaking with the team responsible for World War Kaiju, an independently published graphic novel that was kickstarted last year. After the interview, I have a few news bits and some housekeeping items to cover. But we are going to start things off with uh, Voyage to Dream Quest track. This is the suite from Varan the Unbelievable.
1946, an ultimate weapon was used to end the Second World War. It gave birth to a horrifying new age. This is the story of the Kaiju Age. Follow the journey of one journalist as he teams up with a retired CIA operative to uncover the truth about the monsters and the events that will ultimately culminate in a third world war, the Great Kaiju War. See Tokyo's destruction. Witness the aerial battle of Modra and Razorbeak over New York. Explore the formation of the Kaiju Science Task Force and discover its secret mission. And witness the utter chaos of the Cuban monster crisis when two beasts lay waste to an entire nation. War Kaiju is both a satire of the Cold War paranoia and a love letter to the Kaiju genre, pioneered by the likes of Ishiro Honda and Eiji Subaria. Written by author Josh Finney with Mike Colbert and illustrated by Patrick McAvoy of Arkham Horror fame, World War Kaiju promises a reading experience unlike anything you've encountered. Joining us from California and through the internet, we have the creators of World War Kaiju, a really awesome, if I say so myself, graphic novel that is a fantastic nod and story set in a kaiju universe. Welcome to the Kaiju Cast, Josh Finney, the author, Patrick McAvoy, the illustrator or artist on the book, and Kat, who helps publish the book. Nice to be here. Thanks, Kyle. So do me a favor and tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, well, I'm Patrick McAvoy. I am an illustrator and sometimes comic artist. I've been working as a uh, professional artist for years and years now. I've been a, a freelance illustrator since about 2006. And um, I've uh, done there a lot go. of illustration for games and animation and... Uh, uh, a lot of kids' educational products, uh, a lot of uh, collectible card games, uh, and uh, just a little bit of everything. And I've done uh, a few graphic novels now. And uh, comics has sort of been a sideline for several years. Um, I was on contract with Marvel for uh, quite a while, but I uh, wasn't doing comics for them. I was working in their marketing division doing... Uh, the Marvel style guide and uh, point of sale advertisements, things like that. And uh, yeah, uh, that's that's me. I've done a little bit of everything. I'm I'm really a, a big fan of uh, science fiction and uh, comics and horror and uh, and giant monsters who breathe fire at people. Awesome. <laughs> and now with this wonderful relationship you've built with Zero One Publishing and their smash hit World War Kaiju and upcoming. Case file Arkham, you're going to be able to work full time on comics, aren't you? That would <laughs> kind of be cool. Actually, uh, I did uh, World War Kaiju and another uh, uh, graphic novel last year, um, The Nain Rouge. 
So two no two graphic novels in one year, and then this year we've got uh, yeah we've got Case File Arkham uh, coming up, and then we're uh, going to be working on the second volume of World War Kaiju. So it might be another two graphic novel year for me. That would be awesome. Thanks yes. for the assist, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> So, Josh, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved in uh, in comics? Well, uh, I'd always been doing art and writing throughout my life. And uh, at some point in my 20s, I got fired from a job, an uh, uh, art director job, actually, in the most unpleasant way possible. But I, incredibly entertaining. Yeah. I, I told, told, <laughs> wait, wait, what was unpleasant about it? Did they, did they kick you in the nether regions? <laughs> No, I was at a meeting and I was so frustrated with my supervisor that in the middle of the meeting I told him to shut the f*** up. Um, <laughs> and that got me fired. But that was okay because that was the incentive I needed to say, you know what, I'm tired of doing comics during the evening and then going to work at this horrible job. And I got fired and I took the money I'd saved and I spent full time doing comics. And that led to the publication of Utopias, which was uh, our first graphic novel, which was kind of cyberpunk themed. That got assigned to Archaea, where we did the second graphic novel, Titanium Rain, which is a futuristic uh, fighter pilot story, which led me to meeting Patrick McAvoy, man Ooh. of many talents, <laughs> who joined me on this bizarre quest to do World War Kaiju, which is Doctor Strangelove meets Godzilla. So how did you guys get started working together? Well, I'd, like I said, I'd come off of my last project was Titanium Rain. And I had just, it, it was a sci-fi war story. It was kind of dark. I needed a break. No, 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 no. It came from all of us being at Archaea. We all got drunk, stupid one night. Like, you know what, man? We should work together. Well, that's true. Actually, <laughs> no, that's man, no, man. We should work together. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> okay, yeah, that is true. That is absolutely true. And then I came up with this World War Kaiju idea. And Kat and I are saying, you know, you know who would be perfect for this would be Patrick. But there is no way we can get Patrick. Yeah. He's too in demand. He's too talented. He's got too much going with the... Uh, K, uh, uh, Call of Cthulhu and Art. There's no way. And then I call him and he says, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally just you thought really that's perfect well it was a weird situation it was sort of sort of a, a mirror image of what a lot of situations like that usually are because he he called up and he uh you know first said hey we're doing this thing it's going to be really fun can you do try some uh, monster designs and he gave me the concept you know sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek uh uh, love letter to the old uh, kaiju movies and the you know the basics of the concept and and uh, and I sh said sure I'd, I'd love to do that and you know usually in a situation like that it, it's like the the person who approaches you is is hoping that you'll do a few things and then you'll kind of maybe get into the project and and you know possibly they can spring it on you in a few months hey what if you did more of the art but it was really opposite. I started doing it. I said, hey, you know, nobody else is going to do this, are they? I'm going to do this, right? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> they actually got very insistent about it. They're like, no, nobody else can do this. <laughs> and Josh was saying, yeah, we've got different areas in the book. I think we want to bring in other artists to do different art styles. And I said, no, 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 no. I want to do all the different nice. art styles. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great because we've had so many different people. I was like, how many artists did you bring in on this? We're like, one. 
They're like, really? <laughs> like, yeah, just one. Very cool. I definitely want to talk about the different styles as well, because that's, that was absolutely something I noticed. But in terms of the book, uh, once you got started on the book, like, tell us, like, how did you decide to do the Kickstarter? Is this the first time you had done a Kickstarter for your books? Is this, a, or is it a regular occurrence for, for you guys as a publishing group? First time. It was the first time. And it was strictly out of necessity. Uh, the project was taking too long and we said, you know what? Let's, let's just get the money up front, pay Patrick up front, make it happen. Mm-hmm. Nice. Was, that's what? very important to us is making sure talent gets paid. Yeah. Well, I could, I mean, I, it's very obvious just from looking at the Kickstarter campaign that you guys had a very deep and, and strong love for the old to- tokusatsu ways and, uh, oh, yeah. films. So, it was, it, and it was really cool to see all of the extra goodies that you guys put into the Kickstarter rewards. That was awesome. Very we had cool. a lot of fun putting those together. I, mm-hmm. I was quite pleased with uh, how they came out as well. Did we send you any of those or just the book? Yeah, no, we got the, uh, we got some of that stuff and, and gave it away in our Halloween costume contest <laughs> last year. Oh, um, cool. that's very But, uh, you know, if you happen to have an extra set of the, uh, kaiju poetry fridge magnet stuff, <laughs> I, uh, I was sure. like, I was like, I know I need to put this into the box, but I want to put it on my fridge. Uh, it will go on your fridge. It will be done. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. No, seriously, uh, I, I really think it, like, what you guys did was really above and beyond the scope of just, like, normal putting a book out so that was really cool well from day one i've wanted kaiju to kind of be a interactive metafiction in that it's a whole world and just like when you go through the book there's like newspaper articles and you know there's the whole intel report in the back i wanted the uh, incentives to be the same way that they were artifacts from this world that would actually not just be kind of a prize or a cool thing to have but something that enhanced your experience of the actual book itself so yes very very happy with that that's awesome how how has the response been from the uh, at least from the backers on on the book now that it's out no complaints. Everyone's been extreme. Actually, we're getting a lot of where the hell's book two. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the complaints we're getting. Look, we just put the first one out. Give us a little time. Yeah. Like, no, no, damn it. I agree. I, uh, <laughs> I, that was one of those things that I, I sensed it coming like just beforehand. I was like, wait a minute. I don't have many pages left in this book. <laughs> we're not even close to <laughs> wrapping it up. So, uh, I really enjoy it. I, I just want you guys to all know. I, Thank I you. think it's a splendid book. It's a, fantastic love letter to the kaiju genre and you have so many homages uh that not only uh you know i was happy to see but they actually like to not to sound stupid but they tickled me it made me chuckle because (laughs) some of them were really really clever and like oh good you know that's the perfect response yeah there was there was a you know a monster name that i was like who would ever choose to to grab that word and use it as a monster name and uh, which uh, one was it moldra oh yeah yeah <laughs> and you know exactly where that came of from. course of course i do <laughs> i would hope the listeners know as well because it was uh, i mean that's just a sampling of of the incredible things that you guys have uh the nods to the kaiju films i mean of you got some faces in there you know some really yes. awesome Awesome faces. And at first, uh, I think I saw an eyeline at one point. I was like, no, 
they're not going to do that. And you did. And <laughs> you recognized yeah. him just from the eyes. Huh? Yeah, dude, I'm a major kaiju nerd. So it was very, very obvious to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was great though. I, I, I really, if, uh, if the listeners out there have not read this, you got to check it out. World War Kaiju is, uh, it's really fun, like really fun. And I, you, it's like, uh, one of your reviews said something about, uh, that the book really sets itself apart from other graphic novels. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, you guys have a revisionist history kind of thing going on. You don't see a lot of that in comic form. You see a lot of that in, in literature, but the sequential art, you know, medium doesn't get a lot of revisionist history that I've read at least. And, that's true. You know, that's, I thought that was great. And I don't want to give it away, but the way that you guys <laughs> revised history was pretty epic. And, uh, I, you know, <laughs> I know you. that word is overused, but it was just one of those things I just did not see coming. And it came right at the beginning of the book. And I was like, this is great. <laughs> you know, well, it's a great premise. I, I find very fun about both, uh, Patrick and, uh, Josh is that both of them love history. And also both of them have a love for storytelling and metaphor. And since Kaiju, let, you know, it, it, it's a well. Godzilla is the metaphor for the bomb, so it just all lends itself. And they would sit there at night. It's like, oh, we could bring in, you know, this event that happened over here. Yeah, we could have this happen. And, and they would sit there and and play matching games with events in history and what well, kaiju could do. What it was things. was that uh, the kaiju <laughs> themselves were informed by what the the uh, fears of the era. So. Actually, it was amazing after a while how easy it was to link up different monsters and different film elements with things that were actually going on and make them more literal. And uh, just so that the uh, listeners can understand, the the central premise of the book, and I don't think I'm uh, messing anything up or spoil any anything, but the, the central premise was kaiju were originally a metaphor for mankind's hubris, or the atomic bomb. In World War Kaiju, it's literal. The Manhattan Project did not make an A-bomb. In this world, the A-bomb does not exist. Uh, and it's laughed at. Yeah, it's, a, it's an urban myth. In this <laughs> world, the Manhattan Project produced a Kaiju. And by splitting the atom, you produce Kaiju. <laughs> and there's a Cold War based on Kaiju. And it goes from there. Yeah. You know, I sort of have uh, imagined in the back of my mind there are science fiction books in, in this world where where uh, the at there's atomic bombs that are metaphors for kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that might be a good joke to throw in there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's the sort of back and forth we, we've had through the entire thing. We just say something that makes us laugh and, hey, that's not bad. <laughs> I... I still want to work in the conspiracy theorist idea you gave me about how there were people who swore up and down kaiju weren't real because they, you look at the footage and they just look too much like guys in suits. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. nice. I, uh, I have to say, like, uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, I really, really enjoyed the book. I also found it, like, very cinematic. Like, I, f I could see a live action version of this. And uh, the more I thought about it, I was like, actually, you know, it'd be awesome would be to have this turned into a movie. But instead of dudes in rubber suits playing the monsters, yeah, you make giant Muppet like puppets. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It would. And 
I also uh, I it's, I get really distracted when I read if there's sounds, so I put on music from the Godzilla and other kaiju soundtracks. And while I was reading it, it was perfect. It was awesome. I highly highly suggest it for anyone who who might be into reading and listening to music at the same time. Probably sold it a little bit more, but it was uh, it was so enjoyable. It was it was totally uh, fun that, to get into. That is great. And you know, we do have one uh, kaiju who already kind of looks like a muppet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the one of, one of our most popular. <laughs> is he really? The, I'm assuming you're talking about the Russian one. Yeah. 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 Red armadillo. I think that is the thing that when I saw that in the book, I was like, I see a muppet. I totally see a Muppet. I want that to be a thing. I could even see the actual thing instead of being like human actors. I could see it being, you know, like human-esque puppets. Uh, I could, yeah, make your own kaiju film. I don't know why I'm into puppets right now, but it it's totally works in my brain. And, you know, I think that's pretty much good enough for me. I just always picture him with those googly eyes that bounce around when his head moves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Ah, uh, that would be really great. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to move on. <laughs> all right. So I, I really did enjoy all of that. And I mean, the visual style you have going on, it changes. You know, you've got some very almost airbrushed looking artwork, and then you'll get the stark contrast of a, of a 1960s comic strip from the paper in there. Uh, you've got written like, obviously words and that glossary in the back you just did a lot of stuff that really again sets it apart from other releases well i'm kind of obsessive with world creation so that, mm -hmm. that's very common to stuff i do is this bizarre metafiction stuff in the background that just flushes things out to 11 mm -hmm. um as far as the looks concerned that that was very specific. We had a lot of talking about that. Mm -hmm. um, the first sequence at the beginning with uh, Fat Man stomping. Should I say it, or do you not want me to ruin it for the well, reader? We do. Well, have that's it the first page five pages. Line. Yeah, yeah. And you've got like the first fifteen yeah. up on the website, right? Where yeah. Fat Man yeah. uh, stomps Tokyo and ends World War Two. Yeah. Those shots specifically are trying to mirror the original Godzilla film, and they're more. Mo I mean, they're they're still colored, but they're more monochromatic. And kind of mimic that film style. But as you go further, we get into the 60s and late 50s. You notice we get started getting that really oversaturated technicolor. And even the book is uh, done in wide format to mimic a movie screen. Because mm -hmm. we really wanted that larger than life um, look of the Toho films. It totally shows. I mean, the uh, even just starting it from the beginning, you you really get that like cinematic feel. Yeah. Completely, it works, man. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a, um, uh, a style of of layout in comics that's that's been around for about 15 years, but you know people have been using it to greater or lesser degrees of success. Uh, called widescreen, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners who read comics have seen you know comic books that are done in the widescreen format, which basically means they use very long. Uh, panels instead of the typical broken up panels. They, they use a panel that goes across the whole page and they have five or six of those stacked up on the page. And it can look really nice, except you usually end up with people sort of crouching or ducking to, to miss the top of the panel or, or most of their heads are cut off mm -hmm. or things like that. So it's a nice idea that doesn't really fit the comic book format. So we were able to, uh, 
really take advantage based on the fact that, you know, Cat published it and we could do anything we felt like. That <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, yeah, we, we did this as a, a widescreen format, I was able to just take full advantage of that and have these nice super wide panels without having to get too thin. And uh, it was a fantastic feeling to get and to do that. And you need those wide shots to portray, you know, these giant kaiju in the city. I mean, those are huge well, wide shots. There's nothing more impressive than the, the wide shot of the city with the one kaiju on one side and the other on the, on the other side. And they're sizing each other up right before, you know, the big battle. And you, you need the space to really encompass that. And so that's why we did it in, in wide format. All of our books are uh, six by nine, and uh, Kaiju is nine inches lengthwise. So when you open it up, you get a full 18 inches there. Yeah, it was uh, it was really cool to 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 read. I mean, I I would love to know more about I would love to know more about the 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 production of it. Like when you guys set out to make this book. Uh, how much time went into it, like like pre-production for a movie, where you have to sit down and do your your world building and your creature creation um, and uh, those kinds of designs? I mean, how long did it take you to get that off the ground and before cohesive? I started? Yeah, before I started crunching out scripts, cat. How how long was I just writing notes and doing monologues and piecing things together before I even talked to an artist? At least. Four months. About four months, five months? Four or five months, yeah, because uh, you started running the, the movies in the background while you were working on um, some of your other projects. Uh, yeah, projects never end. And uh, suddenly, you, you, as we say, he got struck with an essay idea, <laughs> which is a reference to uh, Mystery Science Theater. And uh, he, he started jotting down notes about kaiju. And... Uh, I think the real starting point was when I, you know, I'd had the idea rolling around that, well, what if instead of the uh, kaiju being symbols, they actually be literal? And then at some point I started hearing Agent Hampton's voice in my head and he's recounting the uh, disaster that was the Cuban monster crisis Mm -hmm. and how horribly (laughs) wrong that went, which will appear in book two, by the way. Nice. And that was kind of the starting point and the whole world started to grow out of that and i had mm-hmm. to figure out where the kaiju came from how they were made um the films that came out of toho were very nicely timed with world events so that was easy to link up ideas there and of course there were always tropes that had to come in like you know incompetent aliens yes. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> oh my gosh yeah <laughs> that was uh that was an uh, another one of those like unexpected like uh you know made me chuckle references that was great well hats off to patrick for making that design work yes <laughs> very much so that was a really fun sequence i uh i i loved that i i got to go to town with those guys they were just I, I think- hilarious it deserves to be re- animated at some point for sure. <laughs> my original request was, okay, Patrick, you know, you know the aliens from Astro Monster. Merge them with Santa Claus versus the Martians. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and both, he both movies I'd seen. 
<laughs> you produce something a lot better than that. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was great. And it was fun to to get to do uh, Harry Truman, too, as a oh, icing yeah, on the cake him. in that section. I loved writing Harry Truman. A lot of those are actual quotes from him, by the way. The whole political aspect of it is actually very pleasant to read as well. Like, normally, when I think of inserting political references uh, into a book, I usually think of, ne- I think negatively towards it. But uh, you guys, instead, I mean, because this is set in the past, you guys obviously are doing, instead of, like, political jabs, you're just saying, like, this is political history. Like, that's yeah. why you're tying that together. I, I I loved it. I The whole thing was really great. Excellent. Yeah, so let's talk about book two. All right. Okay. Uh, what do you need to know? Or what? Sh- or should we just start firing off? I'll just give you, we can give you all the spoilers. And, no, uh, <laughs> don't no. spoil it. No, yeah, I've got a great spoiler alert. I just don't want to play it. Uh, the uh, the the question I have is uh, now this book was released. Was it early 2014? Or did you guys do? Was it earlier than that? Um the the book came out in uh, officially in September of 2014. Okay, so uh, it hasn't been too long since the book has been released. And I know you said that the, there are Kickstarter uh, recipients, the backers got those Mm -hmm. and you guys have been selling them. uh, But I guess before we talk about book two, these are for sale on Amazon. Right. And you have them physically in target stores. Not yet. Okay. Um, but, but we are aiming to get them in. Uh, but uh, we found out that uh, Target has started carrying them on their website. Awesome. Same with Walmart. Yeah, same with Walmart, actually. That's cool. Um, and Barnes & Noble has them. Again, not in their stores, though all physical stores will order it for you and have it waiting for you if you uh, go in there. Otherwise, you can get it on Barnes & Noble's website. And uh, Powell's Books in Portland. Oh, yes. Very cool. You guys did not go through Diamond for this publication, right? No. Um, short answer is Diamond turned us down. A uh, longer answer is they say that a standard size of 6x9, which every publisher uses, is not standard and they won't carry it. No, what it was was that comic shops don't like the size, even though it's a standard bookstore size. Mm-hmm. So they didn't carry it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But honestly, going through other distributors has been better because Diamond's not the best on paying people. Well, that's unfortunate for them. Have you felt like that was a great move? Or um, if you have you felt like, I don't want to say hurt because of that decision, but... Uh, no, no, not in the least. No, because uh, really, um, comics is a very interesting world. Because uh, you have the superhero people, and then you have everybody else. And that's fine. That's perfectly fine. But the stores that carry superheroes, by and large, are not going to carry the everybody else titles unless it's, you know, in the top 10, top, top 20 selling. And, um, uh, so, so and really, it's better for us to target the stores that we know would be interested in us, and therefore we can actually have a relationship with them. And it doesn't waste the time of anybody else. As sad as it may sound, people who go to comic shops usually aren't going to buy our books. So Mm -hmm. it actually serves us better to be getting into other stores. Mm -hmm. And we've done very well in in brick-and-mortar bookstores. And Amazon. Done really well. And Amazon. Amazon. And in uh, stores that are uh, friendly to indies, like... uh, 
locally just giving shout outs uh rising sun productions which has tons of kaiju stuff uh they specialize in japanese imports actually so they loved this book and uh socal comics Awesome. I'm actually writing down that Rising Sun. If you're here, come to San Diego, ride the trolley, get off in Mission Valley. It's in the mall directly across the street. Wonderful place. Consider it done on my next visit for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, all right. So now tell me a little bit about what readers can expect without obviously spoiling anything. Uh, in book two, let's not get into too much of the story, but uh, I'm assuming we're going to see more monster battles. Uh, actually, in book two, you're going to see a lot more monster battles. I did notice that you had a lot of kaiju on your website. Yes. That are, or at least some kaiju on the website that are not featured in the first book. Quite a few are actually featured that don't show up in the first book or only make slight cameos in the first book. <laughs> Um, book two, uh, and this, you know, if you get the first book, this is no surprise. Um, Tesladon is about to throw down with a weird creature that's risen out of the ocean. Uh, which, in fact, he's been hinted at online. <clears throat> actually, we can send you a few preview pages for the website if you want. Yeah. I would so, I mean, never turn that down. It opens up with one hell of a uh, throwdown off the coast of Taiwan. Then there's some conspiracy stuff going on behind the scenes. We find out a little bit more about the aliens and the overall ancient alien conspiracy thing going on and uh, what, why this is happening. And then we finally get to the Cuban monster crisis, awesome. which is going to be one heck of a payoff. That's rad. Let's just say, yeah, King Crab... Yeah. Which is uh, <laughs> one of the Russians' more mighty creatures having a uh, knockdown, drag out, island destroying fight with Fat Man. I'm sold. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm assuming you guys haven't gotten too much work into book two. Uh, we've got about, what, 10, 11 pages? Well, actually, if I remember correctly, we were so into it uh, for the first round. Uh, you two were, were we really, doing pages into book two. It's like, you know what? We should really stop. We really wanted to include one more monster fight, but mm -hmm. we just did not get the Kickstarter funding. And we said, you know what? We're losing money now, and the book needs to come out. And, you know, we'd really like to have that one more fight, but we'll just cliffhanger it. Yeah. We, yeah. we did actually uh, over-deliver based on our... Yeah, you know, stretch goals. Uh, we over delivered by quite a bit, but uh, it was it was well worth it. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. It was. But you... uh, one of the uh, things I'm aiming for is just again to hit all the kaiju tropes. We have the single monster destroy a city. We have the aerial battle over a city in the first book. So in the second book, we're going to have the uh, knockdown, throwdown fight, or actually, it's a monster. Uh, three-way fight on an island which is again another trope and we're also going to have a one-on-one -on -one in the ocean surrounded by battleships now i know that doesn't say much about plot but these are all things <laughs> that we want to see Come on, the important thing is the monsters and we'll worry about plot later yeah. oh no the plot's really there it's I not know. in question <laughs> and we're going to be getting into more, uh, uh, dipping our toes a little more into the uh, 1960s uh, super spy tropes, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, That's it's heading into the 60s now, so you get a lot of the weird 60s weirdness, and you find out that 
Modra has a special following with the hippies. Oh, cool. So we're going to start getting nods to the smog monsters. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Just out of curiosity, how far into this world can we get? Uh, do you have a plan for like up to X amount of issues? It really depends on the Kickstarter funding how many books. I want to do it in three, uh, uh, but it might have to be four depending on how many chapters per book. We wanted to do three chapters per book, but as you see, book one's only two chapters, so we'll see. Uh, if we do three chapters for book two, uh, we should enter into the 70s by that point. But this whole thing, and this it's not a secret, because, I mean, it's called World War Kaiju. Mm -hmm. This is all leading up to, you know, from the Cold War to things warming up to political corruption to Vietnam turns into a third world war and we're the worst for it. We get the monster apocalypse, essentially. It's what I've always wanted, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you get to see a little bit more of the late 70s because the interview segments are all taking place after the fact. And you'll get to see more and more about how San Francisco is a working, functioning city, but there's still craters and monster skeletons and well, there's also you know, war the, damage. That shot where uh, Keegan is uh, um, uh, going to the warehouse, and you see the collapsed buildings. Yeah, you, you start getting more of the notion that this is a world in recovery. Right on. Yeah. So are so you? We, we've definitely hinted that at that throughout the book. Like we've got a, a we've got um, kite shelter signs. Yeah. Uh, Instead of fallout shelters. Very cool. Now, do you guys ever see yourselves going past the book with this story? I mean, I'm not saying, like, are you going to make a movie? That's not what I mean. I just, like, am wondering if you guys, since you did such a great job with the Kickstarter and with the, you know, adding those different rewards, like the, yeah. the poetry, magnetic poetry and, and the signs and the prints and so forth, are you... <laughs> Are you ever interested or, or have any ideas into pushing it past book and Kickstarter format into another another medium? You know, honestly, if we were ever approached by someone capable who wanted to do animation or film, I would be thrilled. Uh, having had that experience before with Titanium Rain, unfortunately, Hollywood's a very convoluted, backstabbing, crooked, unfair uh, <laughs> environment. It has Tell us how you really too, feel. Yeah. And it has, and so it, if there is a movie offer, unfortunately, it's going to come down to one of two things. Either it's going to be a great team, we'll be thrilled, and they'll make something wonderful. Please, Guillermo del Toro, please, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> or unfortunately, you know, some Hollywood company will buy it and it'll, it'll be the next, you know, Matthew Broderick film. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Get Tom Cruise but, playing a 19 year old Japanese. But man. unfortunately, uh, <laughs> I'm picturing a Miley Cyrus. Female. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, unfortunately, with these kinds of things, once Hollywood gets their hands on it, you really don't have much control. You just got to hope that you get a good director. Um, but on the other hand, uh, let's say like production IG were to, to approach us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Take it away, guys. What do you want? Uh, also, there is a RPG in the works. That actually, a lot of the stuff in the back of the book was um, also going to double as role-playing game material. So that may eventually come out as well. I kind of got that from reading it. It totally looked like the uh, um, the books that you get in a sense. Uh, obviously, it was missing some some elements. And, I'm, you know, we got a lot of gamers that listen to the show. So that's, uh, I think that's good news. Very cool. 
Well, we've got some good people working with us. I, I, the way the agreement was, is I had said basically, I will do all the world stuff. I'll come up with all the idea, the setting, the plot. You guys make the mechanics work. I'm, I'm not even going to touch it. Are you guys going to, uh, I mean, once you get further into this process, do you think you'll ever bind everything into one big collection? If there's a demand, absolutely. Actually, mm-hmm. what I would love to do is bind it hardcover and maybe make it slightly larger. So, yeah, I would love to do that if there's a demand. That would be cool. I have these uh, library editions of Hellboy, and they're like, uh, they're double the size. They're so beautiful. Uh, so, yeah, all we would need stuff. is every one of your listeners to give to the next Kickstarter. <laughs> Yes, that would be amazing. Uh, I ran my own Kickstarter and not every one of my listeners donated. (laughs) And there would be no doubt that we'd be able to give you that whole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'd be awesome. And remember, it's, it's not really a donation. We, we have to remember it's, it's, it's a pre-sale. So anyone who gives money to one of these is not giving money. They're buying a book and other things. Totally. So it's an investment. An investment in a better world for all of us. Yes. Yes, and a well, pretty book on your actually, shelf. Actually, speaking yes. of a better world for all of us, I will say up front that one thing I'm quite proud of is hearing the reaction from everyone. Because one thing that I've noticed is, granted, it's been a little better lately. I mean, we've had Pacific Brim, which was just amazing. And there's been some good comics out there. But for so long, there had been so little good kaiju stuff coming out. I mean, you got your shipment from Japan, and that was it. So to be able to provide a good, engaging, intelligent, enjoyable story to kaiju fans, I mean, is of quality and respects the medium and the mythology. I don't I, I, I'm very glad to be a part of that. I think you should keep kickstarting these, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely down to help out. Do you know when you're going to get started with the next Kickstarter project? I know you guys have one on deck right now for some for a different book right uh we're gonna launch the uh, world war kaiju kickstarter what is it in june july july and we're gonna coincide that with our appearance at g-fest oh cool so yeah we're gonna coincide the kickstarter with g-fest and hopefully we'll have some event planned there for it mm-hmm. nice so we'll, we'll have a table uh, we'll have books for sale we'll have just about all of our merchandise mm-hmm and we're really looking forward to meeting uh, hardcore G fans for the first time because so far everyone we've met has been online. We haven't actually talked to anyone face to face yet. And uh, we're gonna have uh, uh, Patrick's artwork in in print form so that people can buy it. Very cool. Now and the yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say. Uh, no, actually, you should go ahead and tell me what you were gonna say, and then I will ask my question. Oh, okay. And the project uh, we're doing right now—it's not really. It's not really kaiju related, but it's uh, called Case File Arkham, and it's a uh, P.I. Noir graphic novel set in H.P. Lovecraft's Arkham. And so, that's that's live right now, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll make sure to so, include a link in the show notes for that. Oh, neat. Thanks. And it does <laughs> include giant creatures. I wouldn't call them kaiju, but... Elder Core meets hard-boiled yes. detective. Nice, nice. Uh, where will you guys be tabling and appearing besides G-Fest? We will be at the uh, World Horror Convention in uh, Atlanta. Atlanta in... What's the one in the uh, Bay Area? Oh, and Big Wow in uh, San uh, uh, Jose. Right, in- right. 
in uh, the, the middle of April. Yes. And I'll, I'll actually be at that one with them. So Yes, yes, he a- will. April 18th and 19th in San Jose. It's the whole team. In, in fact, I'd say, uh, you know, contact Patrick if you want uh, custom sketches now, and uh, he can have them there for you to pick them up. So What a good idea. No wonder <laughs> you're in management. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's been a, an incredible wrangler for this entire process. <laughs> yes, yes, she has. She's our boss, essentially. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but, yeah. Oh, and uh, we will be at Rose City in September. Excellent. That means yes. I get to see you guys twice this year. I'll be at G-Fest and at Rose City Comic Con. Oh, excellent. excellent. Great. That's awesome. You guys are going to be going to both of those conventions. So let's talk a little bit more about your current Kickstarter. How long does it go? Uh, what are some of the perks? What's your goal for, uh, for that, for that, uh, price range? Good Lord. What is that called? Your, uh, your goal. That would be your goal. goal. Okay. Yes. That's our why goal I was time. brain farting on it. Our, day, our money number. <laughs> our money number. Exactly. Well, um, I'm just going to call off, it that from now on out. It's just a money number. <laughs> money number. Well, uh, first off, the money number is, uh, uh, our our goal is $8,000. $8,000 is going to go towards, uh, like I said, p- paying the talent. Paying the talent is very important. That would be uh, Patrick for his uh, wonderful time in doing this beautiful artwork. Not and that Josh isn't talented, too, of course. No. no. <laughs> but uh, um, He's not as pretty. He's not as pretty. <laughs> you know, show them games. Anyway, uh <laughs> And uh, it's also going to go towards printing the book. Uh, so that is what the 8000 is for. Although if we get a bit more, we can do two chapters and finish the whole thing in one go. Exactly. Yeah, we, we shouldn't be coy. We are really, really going to be pushing for uh, a $14,000 stretch goal. There's, a, there's yes. a bunch of good stretch goals in between, but we really want to get to that level uh, so that we can do a full-length graphic novel. And your book won't cost any more. Actually, it'll be the exact same price, but it'll be twice as long. Exactly. Basically, the more people who pay into it, the bigger a book you get. Hey, And it runs for the the entire month. The uh, stretch or the uh, incentives include a lot of original art prints from Patrick. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got this really awesome shot glass that's uh, uh, from an authentic Innsmouth pub with a deep one on it. It's called The Dive. Oh, that is such a beautiful design that Josh did. It's very nice. And you can also get a, a, a sticker for the dive that you can put on your car or on your windshield. The bookmark of the damned. Yes. The <laughs> nice. Of damned. <laughs> very cool. Well, I'm, uh, I encourage everybody to go out and support Thank that, you. that project. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to book two of World War Kaiju and beyond, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I, it was, it was a treat to read Thank and you. I totally just want to sit here and spoil everything that I loved about it for the <laughs> listeners. Uh, but I would prefer that they go to their preferred bookstore online and, and buy that from, from the links that we'll have in the show notes and just, you know, uh, with, with bated breath for the Kickstarter to start up for book two, cause it's fantastic. And I, I really really want you guys to understand how much I enjoyed it. Please do not hesitate. Find us on Facebook. All of us are on Facebook. Josh is on Facebook. Patrick McAvoy is on Facebook. World War Kaiju has its own Facebook page. That's where you'll get the latest news on when things are coming out and what events we will be attending. Um, and uh, we would love to meet you all. Yes. 
Yes, each and every one of you personally. <laughs> the line starts here. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being on this episode, and I look forward to seeing you at G Fest. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you guys soon. Big thanks to Josh, Patrick, and Kat for coming on the podcast and talking about their graphic novel. Make sure you check out the show notes for links where you can pick up World War Kaiju. Now, at the end of the interview, I actually asked them if they had any music that they would request for the episode, and Josh specifically asked for a two-song treatment. He asked for The King of the Monsters, arranged by Daisuke Yano, and The Beginning of the End by Nobuhiku Morino from Godzilla Final Wars.
United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. Well, there's some cool things I wanted to cover for this particular episode. Some updates, if you will, starting with an update from Toy Fair. Now, I didn't mention anything about this in the last episode because I didn't have any concrete proof or source that I could quote. But just as of a few days ago, Diamond Comics Distribution has renewed their deal with X-Plus to reissue figures here in the United States. Apparently, there's some kind of issue with releasing Godzilla uh, the character here for the next wave. Details are a little sketchy about that, but listen to the list of monsters that are slated for the U.S. release. Here are the 30-centimeter figures that are getting re-released here in the States. The 1965 Baragon, the 1964 Rodan, the 1968 Anguirus, Gigan, the 72 uh, original version, Titanosaurus, Space Godzilla, the 2003 version of Kiryu Mechagodzilla, and the 2004 version, the Final Wars version, of Gigan. Now, that's pretty amazing, but in addition to that, the 25-centimeter series is also up, including King Ghidra, the one that just got released in Japan, and a Biollante reissue. That's pretty big news, and there are still 14 more figures we don't know about yet. So, hopefully that includes some Godzilla figures, no one knows the schedule just yet, but starting in July, with this new contract, Diamond will be releasing two figures every month. Now, this is fantastic news for collectors around the world, and hopefully those unannounced reissues will include some of the long-sought-after Godzilla suits. I have got my fingers crossed for the 1984 version. Check out the link in the show notes to my buddy John's website, Kaiju Addicts, for the full details. Next up, Earlier this week, Monster Attack Team Magazine's Facebook page posted an image of the Shinjuku Hotel Gracery's completed, at least from street level, Godzilla rooftop head. The hotel is slated to open on April 24th, and if you didn't catch it before or see it already, the Godzilla room rates are as follows. The actual Godzilla room goes for 38,900 yen per weekday night, which at today's exchange rate comes to approximately 324 US dollars. And on the weekends and holidays, that nightly rate climbs to 49,800 yen, which is roughly 407 US dollars. Now, this is the room with all the crazy, awesome Godzilla decorations. They also have what's called a Godzilla viewing room, which is where you would stay and you can see the head out of your window, which is much less. But really, is that, you know, is that the goal? I don't think anybody would want to go stay at that hotel just so they could see the head. If anybody's there and is listening to this show, they probably want to save the money and book their $300 or $400 a night room. There's a link in the show notes to the actual Godzilla room webpage for the Hotel Gracery. There's also a link to a Kotaku article, which actually shows the head. Totally done and on display. It was unveiled just the other day. Also, according to a Crunchyroll article, Shogo Tomiyama has written a book chronicling his experience in producing Godzilla films. Sounds like it would be boring for anyone who isn't a massive Godzilla fan. But I've found that the behind-the-scenes stuff is totally fascinating. It would be really cool to have a translation of this book, but it's pretty much out of the question. I mean, rarely do we see any translations, official translations, come out about these books. So uh, hopefully 
people who can read Japanese will read this and then translate it and include information from that book in upcoming Godzilla books. There's a link in the show notes to the brief Crunchyroll article about Tomiyama-san's new book. Next up, if you have the Sony Movie Channel, make sure to set your DVR for Monday, March 23rd for their rare kaiju broadcast of Destroy All Monsters and Godzilla vs. Megalon. I'll have a link in the show notes to their website where you can see that schedule. Last but not least on the news section, the Kaiju Cast has been nominated for a Rondo Hatton Award for Best Multimedia Podcast or Streaming of 2014. That's awesome. Thank you very much to whoever sent in that nomination. But before you go vote, keep in mind that there are plenty of Godzilla-related nominees that could use your vote. And I know this is just an online award thing, so it's not a huge deal. But, you know, it's kind of cool to be nominated. I just don't want you guys to just vote for the Kaiju cast. Vote for more. I've compiled a list of the Kaiju-related nominees. Starting with Best Movie of 2014, you could vote for Godzilla. Best DVD slash Blu-ray collection, the Gamera collection from Mill Creek Entertainment has been uh, added to that. For best independent film, you could vote for Godzilla Battle Royale, which is my friend Billy's fan film. Hopefully we'll do something cool with Billy later this year. For best book of 2014, you could vote for The Art of Japanese Monsters by Sean Lincolnback. For best magazine of 2014... You could vote for Famous Monsters of Filmland, G-Fan, or Monster Attack Team. For best article, you can select two and one will win. Uh, I suggest the complete Godzilla chronology from 1954 to 2004 by August Ragone and others from Famous Monsters of Filmland issue 274. There's also Nuclear Dragon, Godzilla and the Cold War, 1954 by Alan A. Debus. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, from G-Fan 105. For best interview, and the award goes to the interviewer, Brett Hominick's interview with Linda Miller of King Kong Escapes has been included in the nominees. For best all-around issue, G-Fan number 106 has been nominated. This is where Godzilla fans speak out about the new Godzilla film. For best magazine cover, G-Fan 107 has been nominated by Scott Zambelli. For best blog or online column of 2014, both Sci-Fi Japan and August the Good, the Bad, and the Godzilla blogs have been nominated. For Best Convention of 2014, write-ins are encouraged for this. G-Fest has been nominated, but you know, you can always put in another one. There are plenty of giant monster-friendly, but G-Fest is the only, of course, all-giant Japanese monsters event. For best fan event, there are several really cool options. Uh, Godzilla in Yokosuka, which the original Godzilla actor, Haruo Nakajima, appeared at the Armed Forces Day, which was attended by Americans and Japanese. A Fukubei 100, the concert that was held at G-Fest last year. And also the War of the Gargantua's cast reunion, which featured Russ Tamplin, Haruo Nakajima, and Kenji Zahara, and that was, of course, uh, at Monster Palooza last year. Best Multimedia, Podcast or Streaming of 2014, The Kaiju Cast. I mean, I would assume you'd vote for The Kaiju Cast, but hey, you know what? Monster Kid Radio has also been nominated, and uh, he's our friend, so if you're a bigger fan of Monster Kid Radio, maybe vote for, <laughs> for Derek. For the Best Music CD, which is weird because it was released on vinyl, but the Godzilla soundtrack from Death Waltz, which was just basically a reissue of Ifuka Bay's Monster Marches. And finally, Best Toy, Model, or Collectible. you got two options. The War of the Gargantua's release from X-Plus and Diamond, 
and the 40-inch 2014 Godzilla from Jack's Pacific have both been nominated. Now, like I said, all of these are just the giant monster-related nominees that I've pulled and sort of condensed into this one massive list. Uh, you can see the full list of nominees in the link in the show notes, but keep in mind, you can also write in your own nominations for these things. So if for some reason you're like, oh, you know, the best podcast should actually go to X, Y, or Z, you can actually write that in yourself. Hopefully, you'll vote for the KaijuCast, but I will leave that up to you. Next up, catastrophic events, the same ones we talked about in the last episode. March 13th through 15th, Lexington Comic Con will feature Hiroko Sakurai, Ben Furuya, and a lot of Sentai heroes. Uh, that is in Lexington, Kentucky. March 27th through 29th, Monster Palooza in Burbank, California will have Sunny Chiba, as well as a whole bunch of other horror-related guests. April 3rd through April 5th, Anime Boston in Boston, Massachusetts, of course, will have Akira Takarada. And Haruo Nakajima. That's going to be pretty awesome. Make sure you check that out. Also, the fourth Godzilla Night will be happening June 20th in San Leandro, California. Uh, they're going to be playing both the original Godzilla and Mark Jaramillo's Kaiju Gaiden. That's pretty cool. And I might actually be going down to that. My schedule isn't set just yet. Also, G-Fest 22 is coming up as well. The dates are July 10th through July 12th at the Crown Plaza Chicago O'Hare in Rosemont, Illinois. I know that G fans around the globe are expecting the guest announcements to start pretty soon. You can register now. Check the link in the show notes for that. Uh, last but not least, for housekeeping stuff, I did finally get in the rest of the prizes for our live episode. So I will be shipping out those prize packs uh, <laughs> that were supposed to be shipped last month. I'll be shipping those out uh, fairly soon, as soon as my wallet recovers, because I did ship out all of the Kickstarter rewards over the past few weeks. Make sure to turn your homework in for Gamera vs. Jiger before March 19th to be included in our Daikaiju discussion. We are going to go ahead and close the show. If you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcast, make sure you point your web browser to KaijuCast.com to see what we are all about. Our full list of episodes, our uh, Daikaiju discussion schedule, our links to our social media websites and platforms and so forth and so on are all there on kaijucast.com. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please, you know, feel free to review us on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using, provided they actually do reviews. We've got a lot of really cool things in the works for 2015. I can't wait to finally announce them when they're ready, but keep an eye on what we're doing because there will definitely be some awesome things happening. That's going to do it for this particular episode. I feel like I haven't played this song in a long time, so we're going to close out the show with Fu Manchu's cover of the Blue Oyster Cult's Godzilla. We will see you later this month. Jamata. Jamata.